Welcome to Risk Roundup. The market demand for the change in wireless networks is coming at a neck-breaking phase as the Internet of Nano Things to Internet of Things, smartphones, tablets, laptops, and other form of computers are rapidly becoming a way of being and a way of life. Wireless networks are growing in importance, necessity, and demand. In the coming years, wireless networks will need to handle mobile computing and communication needs of not only individuals and entities across nations, its government, industries, organizations, and academia, in short, referred to as NGIOA, but also billions of Internet of Things, Internet of Everything, and Internet of Nanothing devices and machines across cyberspace, geospace, and space, in short, referred to as CGS. From smart city sensors to smart homes, smart autos, smart healthcare, smart enterprises, and more, there is a growing need for fast and ubiquitous network access that connects cyberspace, geospace, and space. As we, the humans, navigate our way towards supporting a 4G or 5G-connected CGS world, the ongoing and emerging complex security risk will likely become a cause of great concern. The time is now to take the security risk of 5G infrastructure seriously into consideration. The time is now to talk about 5G security risk. To, to discuss this further, I'm delighted to welcome Tyson McCauley. Welcome, Tyson. We are honored to have you on this ground. Thank you very much, Jay Shree. I'm happy to be here. Great, wonderful. So, Tyson, you have prepared a presentation. Would you like to share that? Absolutely. What I'll do now is I'll flip over to the presentation and I'll do a voiceover for the slides. And then once I've concluded, I'll, I'll come back and perhaps we can do a question and answer session, if that makes sense. Sure, of course. All right. So, um, I am going to now. Does that, my screen look good to you, Jay Shree? Uh, right now, I see you. You see me. Okay, I see that. All right, I'll start now and I guess you can edit this out. Sure. All right, everybody, I would like to um, present to you some information about inf Internet of Things security and particularly 4G and 5G network security uh, because of their pivotal role in delivering IoT services uh, now but also increasingly in the future. Uh, the first thing I'd like to mention about IoT security is that it is a very big story. Uh, I've been working in this area for the better part of uh, almost five years. And uh, today, which is Monday, the 26th of September, my book was just released uh, internationally on this topic. It's called Risking the Internet of Things. Um, this uh, riot control book is uh, available in bookstores, but a lot of what you're going to hear today is is uh, a precy from different sections and elements of this book. It's 400 pages and it took four years to write. So this is a big topic um, and we're just gonna sort of squeeze in a specific element in the next 20 minutes to half an hour. Great. Some very good information was released by AT&T in March of 2016 at the RSA conference. And they had done some research about the degree of preparedness uh, 
when it comes to security in the IoT. And what they found was that 85% uh, of global organizations said they're going to be using IoT uh, now or in the very near future, but only 10% of them said they had any confidence in the IoT. And I think that uh, that is probably a relatively accurate projection given some of the latest news and findings we've heard about uh, IoT security in, in just the last few days. For instance, the largest denial of service attacks ever seen on the internet have just occurred in the, in the past week. And it appears as though they were launched largely from connected IoT devices versus infected desktops or laptops. Uh, so things are being enslaved to propagate some of the largest attacks on the internet. The thing to know, and I'll, I'll talk about this shortly, is that when an IoT device uh, attacks, it is not only detrimental to the person or organization being attacked, but it is also detrimental to the owner of the IoT asset because its, uh, its service level degrades rapidly. In some cases, it becomes unusable. Also of note is that in the case of the AT&T survey, most of the organizations were projecting that their IoT infrastructures would be uh, over 1,000 devices in, in size and over a third said over 5,000 devices. So these are not trivial investments and these are not small uh, infrastructure elements. These are, are large groupings of devices. Now in one slide, who are the threats? and threat agents to the IoT, and particularly, why would this be meaningful in the case of 4 and 5G? Well, aside from the conventional threat actors that we're used to dealing with and we've discussed uh, over the course of the last 20 years of internet security experience, there's two new classes that are arising. Uh, one I call chaotic actors and vigilantes, where the internet, and particularly the IoT, where security is, is very much immature, are taking the opportunity to inflict damage and to, um, to expose information and cause uh, hardship without taking any credit for it. Or in some cases, if they take credit for it, they are doing it because of their own personal sense of justice. So a chaotic actor is, is um, causing damage without taking any sort of credit and really it appears as though they just want to engage in vandalism and to watch things burn. Uh, in the case of vigilantes, we've seen some excellent examples of vigilantism very recently. Uh, for instance, the Panama Papers uh, affair where terabits of sensitive legal information was dumped on the internet uh, in the name of what was apparently some form of social justice, but they never really told us. They just felt that the people who were um, involved in these legal transactions were committing some sort of crime and it should be exposed. Uh, and it's true, the Panama Papers did expose corruption. Uh, in, in some instances, a vast majority of the information was simply sensitive legal information, personal information that didn't reflect any type of crime whatsoever, but they were caught up as collateral damage. Uh, another interesting point when it comes to vigilanteism is just about Every significant dating site on the internet has been compromised recently and the personal information of their subscribers exposed. Uh, and in this case, the vigilantes found something uh, ethically impure about other people looking for company on the internet and decided to try and embarrass them and their, their suppliers uh, into, into stopping. 
Uh, I don't think it's working, but again, a very strong case for or evidence around vigilanteism. The other threat agent that I think is most pertinent in the case of 4G and 5G are the regulators. The regulators are, are no better versed in IoT security than in, than in industry at large. At the same time, wading into the field of IoT security, attempting to provide regulation. Uh, in some cases, they are treading very carefully. In other cases, less so. We've seen incidents of, for instance, uh, the Food and Drug Administration in the United States has attempted to regulate the cybersecurity of some health devices after insulin pumps were found to be insecure. This is very laudable and important. Uh, but at the same time, the Food and Drug Administration is not a cybersecurity entity. This is not their core competency. And it can raise concern about how well thought out and planned uh, these, these reflexive regulatory responses will be when it comes to the overall um, success of the Internet of Things. We also see in the case of wireless communications um, where spectrum is a highly regulated asset. And at the same time, there have been some blunders made around spectrum management, which have resulted in um, an absence or a dearth of new spectrum becoming available to provide bandwidth for IoT devices. Uh, in other cases, spectrum has been sold off at such a high rate that it impacts the business cases of both carriers and the services that reside on top of the carriers. And again, this is a regulatory decision that can have significant effects on the deployability and the adoption rate of IoT services. Um, and, and of course, the way this trickles down to security is that the more money that has to be spent in the course of just basic regulatory compliance, uh, this often means there's less money to be spent on other elements of the business. And unfortunately, security as a forward-looking capability, in other words, it's something that is intended to address an event that has not happened and that you don't want to happen, uh, often security is the place where early cuts are made to try and save money in bringing products to market with predictable results. So uh, regulators, not deliberately, but more as a, a side effect of them trying to do their job in a, in a manner or in, a, in an area where there's still a dearth of, of information, can pose a serious threat to the IoT. I'd note too that DHS in the United States just... Um, stated an intention to uh, issue new security guidelines around IoT. Um, they did that just this week, and it'll be interesting to see what they actually come up with. Um, but at least they're talking about guidelines versus actually actual statutes and regulations. All right, now let's, let's talk about 4G and 5G wireless, how it's evolving, what are the current threats, and what does this mean to the IoT? 4G security today is very interesting um, and, and widely, let's say, uh, treated type of threat uh, where there are a lot of attacks against 4G infrastructures coming from the internet and trying to hit the gateways or trying to get up to the mobile devices that are connected to the 4G network. So the 4G network is a distinct network uh, at a physical level and then at a layer two signaling level and, and communications level than the rest of the internet. It's governed by an organization called 3GPP and its core is called an EPC or an evolved packet core. And at the gateway level, uh, many attacks are stopped and most carriers these days 
have significant firewall capabilities stopping attacks from the internet up towards wireless devices in the 4G network. And this was not always the case. They learned the hard way that if you allow traffic from the internet to enter into a wireless network infrastructure, it will rapidly overwhelm it. But that lesson was learned probably the better part of six or seven years ago. And protecting against internet-based attacks in 4G is, is very uh, conventional at this point. However, we are seeing a lot of attacks occurring in the 4G network coming from mobile devices. And mobile devices will engage in attacks either because the people that own them are uh, creating mischief, um, are being malicious, or these devices have been compromised. And increasingly, as I mentioned earlier, Internet of Things devices are becoming compromised and becoming um, parts of botnets. And increasingly, the IoT devices, everything from cameras to burglar systems um, to remote sensing and monitoring solutions are using 4G networks as their connection to the Internet in general. And when these things become connected and they attack from the edges of the wireless network into the, the Internet, they go through the Evolve Packet core and they can create havoc in this, in this area. Uh, signaling infrastructure can be overwhelmed uh, because of the nature of these attacks and service levels at the edges of the network can be degraded because most cell, uh, cell zones are not intended to have every device broadcasting information at the same time. Uh, what they expect is that just a few devices in a given cell will be on and transmitting and the others will be dormant. But if devices become engaged in, in ongoing long-term attacks, then they consume a lot of capacity that the carrier is generally not reckoned for in their provisioning and engineering. The other thing that we see is that resources that are on net, in other words, connected directly to the wireless networks, are, are left open to attack from these mobile devices. So we see things like VOIP infrastructures and customer service portals, which don't transit through the internet as being more susceptible and left open to attack. And we have seen a number of cases already globally where service levels have been dramatically compromised inside wireless networks because of attacks from mobile devices and or connected devices. Uh, right now, the IoT does not necessarily contain a lot of safety critical functions, but in the coming years it will. And in a safety critical function, when the network begins to fail or service levels degrade, then risks um, and vulnerabilities start to increase dramatically. And there's a big difference between a risk associated with a logical effect, like a data breach, and a physical effect versus a safety system that, that goes offline. The other thing we're seeing in the 4G environment today is the attacks are actually coming from peers. In other words, if two carriers are speaking to each other because they've got different users on different networks uh, who wish to communicate, then even these peer-to-peer -peer relationships are coming under strain. Um, another interesting thing that's happening and really becoming a major part of IoT security today is that in the consumer environment or the small business and home environment, many IoT devices are connecting into the internet through uh, different types of broadband modems. Sometimes these are coordinating their, their voice handoff functions with the 4G network and the presence of infected devices in the home and in small business is dramatically increasing. 
uh, forget about infected laptops and desktops. But as I said, uh, the, the largest attacks ever seen on the internet are now coming from infected devices. And these devices are frequently located in remote sites uh, that are largely unmonitored and not necessarily enterprise towers. And many of these sites are connected through um, broadband connections such as you find in homes and or wireless connections such as you find inside the 4G networks. Overall, there are plenty of attack surfaces in the 4G networks today. Many of these attack surfaces are being exploited by infected IoT devices as well as infected um, conventional devices. And uh, the current security infrastructure inside 4G is primarily um, just addressing the stuff that's coming from the internet as opposed to things that are coming from the other edges of the network. So what does this mean? They have a firewall in place in a single location, which would be their gateway or gateways. A large wireless carrier could run you know, half a dozen or even a couple of dozen of these major gateways, but the firewalls are on one side. Now, when you look at 5G, 5G is a very interesting evolution. Um, 5G is expected to enter operations at earliest in 2017. Some carriers like AT&T are saying they'll have it uh, online in, in test locations by 2017. But other carriers like Korea Telecom is targeting 2018 for full deployment of 5G, in this case to synchronize uh, with the Olympics. Uh, and in the case of Japan, who've got Summer Olympics in 2020, they're looking at having their 5G deployments up and running by that time. But this is all within the foreseeable future. And when you look at how 5G differs from uh, 4G, you start to appreciate that the IoT plays a big role in the 5G business models and really represent some of the core use cases for 5G. So for 4G requirements, which is the black line, you see that most of the requirements have to do with the ability uh, about um, being uh, highly mobile, in other words, maintaining services as a user moves around, and being efficient in the spectrum. In other words, they go ahead and they are um, using what little spectrum they have available in the most efficient manner. This goes down to the fact that the regulators, again, are sort of limiting the amount of spectrum that, that's available. But other things can sort of represent secondary requirements. For instance, availability, you'll notice on the left-hand side, is sort of a medium-level requirement, reflecting the fact that people and things are not necessarily expecting that 4G has got a high degree of availability. We, we expect dropped calls. And in fact, dropped calls is a point of comparison for many of the wireless carriers around the world. When you get into to 5G or machine communications for 5G, you start to see that energy efficiency, uh, device cost, battery life, cost per megabit of, of data transfer become uh, a key issue. They, they need to be able to get online and last for a very long time on batteries in remote locations and they need the cost to be low. So that is a, a key, key requirement for IoT when it comes to 5G. But you also see that there are many consumer IoT type applications also relying on 5G. And by consumer, uh, I mean generally the device is under the control of a single person or a very small group of people 
Whereas when you get into machine to machine or industrial IoT or operational technology, you'd have many devices under the control of a very few or a single entity. But in consumer IoT, where you might have smart transportation, you might have personal health devices, um, you'll see that things like availability become very critical. Uh, mobility remains critical, latency becomes very critical. In other words, the network tends to take on the requirements of all the combined different use cases where everything matters, which means that any type of security event that degrades the, the confidentiality, the mobility, the latency, data rates, et cetera, will have a security effect. So what does this actually look like from a 5G perspective? And what does 5G look like from a network perspective? The, the hallmarks of 5G are typically very low latency and very high bandwidth. And, and the numbers that are, are, are used um, regularly are um, a, a communications latency of around one millisecond and a uh, available bandwidth of a minimum of one gigabit per second wirelessly. So you look at this in the context of many devices coming onto the network. So it's no longer just about smartphones and laptops. It's about many sorts of other assets, IoT devices, cameras, cars, transportation, remote inventory, point of sale terminals, closed circuit cameras, all these things that were previously on private networks, expensive private networks, often fixed line, will move to the uh, high bandwidth 5G networks seeking operational efficiencies and in some case performance improvements. And at the same time, inside the home or inside the small office, we're seeing a lot more devices appearing uh, where, where before they just they, they would not have left, for instance, the, the physician surgery or the operational environments. Health devices, smart home monitoring, safety critical devices, uh, heating controls, things like that that are, that are very popular in homes and, and remote locations these days are all using uh, the same network as the home network. The trouble is that these are very unhygienic networks with very little controls on them. And putting safety critical functions out into the edges of the network for broadband connections is a security challenge um, through and through. And in the case of 5G, before it gets here, we need to understand how to protect these devices. Because in, in the case of 5G, uh, infrastructure increases dramatically. There are a lot more radios at play. Uh, and these radios, these base stations access points will be collaborating to get to the very low latency, high bandwidth uh, capabilities that are to be the hallmark of 5G. Uh, they'll be mixing and matching different types of carriers in different uh, spectrum bands. And they will also be using opportunistic access to break out of their path um, to the network according to service levels and cost. So for instance, a base station or some type of, of Wi-Fi uh, access point may have two different types of connections to the internet. Uh, in other words, it's multi-homed. One may be a, a high assurance path that goes through the evolved packet core uh, used for coordinating, say, uh, mobile to mobile communications and a much cheaper but lower assurance uh, path that jumps onto the internet uh, as soon as the, the packet comes off the wireless interface and it gets to a fixed line interface. 
And this opportunistic access may be a much shorter path, but less guaranteed than going through the EPC. And the applications will, and the carriers will understand how to route according to service level agreements and, and flags inside of packets and things like that. Uh, but to coordinate all of this, we're going to see two things happen inside the 5G infrastructure. One will be more control infrastructure. The more handoffs you have among more densely clustered cells uh, between different types of radio carriers with different types of service levels, you need more control infrastructure. And um, this will mean that there is a wider and a broader attack surface uh, in this control infrastructure. The other thing that we're seeing very strongly now inside 4G networks and certainly inside 5G is that the network elements, the control infrastructure, whereas it was previously a dedicated appliance, specialized appliance, is moving into a virtualized environment. The control infrastructure become virtualized machines running on enterprise grade uh, hardware. In other words, uh, a, a, an Intel-based server running some sort of hypervisor to accommodate virtualized control infrastructure. This is much more operationally efficient and it is the direction that all the uh, equipment manufacturers are taking. But again, uh, moving from dedicated uh, bespoke appliances into a virtualized environment increases again the, the size of the attack surface. Uh, this is even happening out at the edges of the network where we're seeing edge devices um, such as gateway devices being virtualized and deployed in the market right now. Uh, ATT, Verizon, Telstra, Deutsche Telekom, all of them have got virtualized gateway devices uh, in the market. Not 5G yet, but other devices intended for small businesses and homes. And the logical evolution of this will be that the 5G gateways, as they come online, which will be small and number in the millions, they too will be virtualized just like the, the, the latest generation of small business and branch routers are being virtualized. Uh, this is also happening in the home where the home gateways that we currently have for DOCSIS, in other words, cable and DSL, um, telco broadband services, those two are being virtualized with the idea being that value added services can be deployed out at the edge. But again, the attack surface is changing and the profile is changing. So what will 5G attacks look like tomorrow and what effect will this have on the IoT? First of all, we can expect to see that devices will be infected. We already know this and as I said, they're now responsible for the largest attacks seen on the internet. When these devices become infected, they will uh, attack out through the network, which will impact the service levels of any given network because they will fill the pipes. What they will also do is they will attack locally and for an IOT device or any type of device in 5G to see one millisecond latency for communications this means that the packets will have to be switched locally in other words the, the communication will hit the radio base station or the local access point and be switched back to the adjacent device where this communication is trying to be established at very low latencies. So for instance, uh, smart cars that may be speaking to each other, they may speak to each other directly, or they may use a 5G system, in which case 
while they're both in the same cell, they're communicating through the 5G base station, which is switching the traffic on a local basis. This is a very substantial change from architectures today where uh, 4G will, will send these packets back into the evolved packet core to be routed back to um, a counterparty on a long path. This long path disappears in 5G, which also facilitates attack at a local level. And um, in addition to attacking, uh, we need to keep in mind that many IoT devices will be made quickly and cheaply versus well, uh, subject to defect. And many defective devices, it's quite common uh, for a defective device to fill the network with garbage traffic and inadvertently become um, a menace to the other devices around it. So again, locally switched traffic would facilitate that type of side effect of poorly made devices, uh, of which we should expect to see many. The opportunistic access, which will be required under 5G to provide different forms of, of network costing, um, will provide an attack avenue for malicious entities who will try to come back up through that opportunistic access because it's another route to the IoT devices without going through the established protections inside the EPC. And again, this means that um, the attack surface is expanded and to deal with these new countermeasures are going to be required that don't have any place in, in the current 4G architectures. Uh, finally, all the signaling infrastructure will be subject to a variety of different attacks, brute force attacks, or even um, failures that result from uh, abnormal circumstances, such as uh, a power outage that results in uh, a flood of signaling traffic when power is restored. Or it could be deliberate denial of service attacks coming from um, these compromised IoT devices that target the signaling infrastructure, specifically to bring down the 5G network uh, because, for instance, they may wish to cripple some type of operational control related to transportation. They may wish to, uh, to degrade the service associated with closed circuit television, which is being used to monitor something. Uh, there's a variety of different, many different reasons, in fact, why uh, a malicious entity may want to bring down the 5G network beyond just the inconvenience to the carrier. And this is to cripple the infrastructure that's relied on it. Where are some of the security answers? Um, IoT devices themselves need to be made better, but they will never really be made well enough to, to support a direct interface onto the open internet. Um, they, they will be hardened, but they'll never have things like firewalls on them. and um, it really, because of the proliferation of manufacturers and the depth and complexity of the supply chain for IoT devices, it's very difficult to imagine a day in the near future where we'll have a lot of confidence in IoT devices. So what we really will need to do is to look at the areas of control inside the network because the network gateways will have much better provenance in terms of their supply chains, uh, will be under the control of uh, a relatively small number of entities who will be able to actually centralize security. So in the case of an IoT infrastructure, right now the conventional firewall that exists inside the 4G networks at the border between the internet and the evolved packet core will remain. With 5G 
and the vast amount of new infrastructure being brought into place, uh, including the virtualization of the network and the virtualization at the edges of the network. This is known as network function virtualization and combined with software-defined networking. We see this throughout the network end-to-end. -end. More security will be required, first of all, inside the network to not only try and manage denial-of-service attacks um, and other brute force attacks inside the core network uh, before they can, can aggregate themselves, but also to protect the vulnerable signaling infrastructure from attacks um, from on-net devices as well as from peers. Uh, we're also going to see the emergence of edge-based security in a way that we haven't to date. So on the right-hand side, you'll see what amounts to a security function being put into these virtualized edge devices in a consumer environment, your home gateway. Right now, your home gateway has very little security on it unless you've deliberately installed a, an aftermarket firewall. And most things in the house can speak to each other or in the small business or in the office remote branch without any type of mitigation. Um, in the case of the IoT and safety critical functions as they enter these small locations, whether they're industrial outposts or, or homes, um, controlling and managing that communication is going to be critical. It's going to result in a data center technology known as micro-segmentation being made available out at the edges of the network in software. And what I'm proposing here are some forms of uh, firewalling and network segmentation occurring out at the edges in software. Uh, who pays for this? Probably not the consumer. Consumers don't pay for security. However, enterprises providing secure, providing IoT services in the home will find that they may want to bundle security as part of a service level assurance package, or they may be regulated to do so in, in the case of some safety critical functions. In the case of the 5G network, expect to see that the same type of micro-segmentation occurring at the edge of the network where the switching occurs will also become a necessary um, deployment feature to support security and to get the service level assurance that's needed for safety critical functions uh, and even just to meet service levels that may not necessarily be safety critical but would reflect a substantial impact on, on um, customer satisfaction in the event that, for instance, the one millisecond um, latency target was, was consistently breached because of malicious or defective devices local to the, um, to the device in question. All right, we also are going to have to imagine the day where uh, local breakout cannot be allowed and the same type of control that you want locally at the switching level will also function as uh, a firewall element for any type of local breakout access that may be required and built into the 5G systems. So overall, uh, when it comes to, to IoT risk management, 5G is going to be a very critical element. Um, we can expect to see that IoT devices are going to require new ways of doing security with the network picking up a lot of the slack, particularly, second point, at the gateways, the edges of the network which have been traditionally dumb, um, just passing packets back and forth will become a lot smarter. And this could be everything from uh, a 5G base station 
to um, an enterprise Wi-Fi solution that's coordinating to provide 5G uh, services, all the way to a home gateway. But virtualization will make this possible. I'm not talking about security appliances, I'm talking about virtualization where security can be applied very cheaply and effectively. And uh, in the end, uh, this virtualized security will probably be the saving grace for 5G, um, allowing for automation, rapid scalability, but um, also license management, which is a euphemism for um, being much more cost effective in our deployment of security, where traditionally we tend to buy a security appliance, whether it's one gigabit or one terabit, put it in line and it stays there, uh, even if only a fraction of its capacity is being used hour to hour. Uh, that, that model, that licensing model will not scale um, into the 5G world and is already under pressure uh, in the marketplace right now where much more of a on-demand and, and pay-as-you-go security licensing model is evolving. So at this point, uh, Jay Shree, I will um, go back to video and perhaps we can do some uh, Q&A if there's any. Sure. That, so uh, Tyson, the question is that there are billions of IoT devices that are going to be connected. And a lot of them are very cheap, affordable devices that you know will be connected, uh, connected across the NGIOA. They are pretty much disposable in nature because of the low cost and affordability. These are Internet of Things devices will also be always on. They are not going to be off, so they are always going to be connected. In addition, there are not going to be any standards about how these devices are manufactured across nations. So it's going to be a very complex challenge uh, because of those diverse, you know, nature of the IoTs and the way the lack of standards as well as low cost and affordability of each of these IoT without any global standard, it makes it very challenging. Now the goal of digital global age is to have a collective intelligence and that is the reason we are, why the nations and all the industries, they're all moving towards these IOTs and the global connectivity so that we, we have the ability to collect the, uh, gather the collective intelligence then the, when we have the nature of the IoT devices are such that you can pretty much you know dispose it off after use or you know if something goes wrong, it carries with that the risk of you know losing all the data that has been collected. So there are a lot of security challenges of the big data that comes into play here. So what would you tell the decision makers? that as we go move forward from 4G to 5G as to how to approach this IoT security so that we all can have a very secure IoT ecosystem. And what you suggested that, you know, we should have the network gateways that should be secure. That is a very good approach because if we leave the security to consumers, that is individuals, a lot of them are not informed, a lot of them are not aware about the security challenges and uh, security requirements and they're not accountable to hope that you know they would do everything in their power 
to make sure that you know all those devices are uh, secure it is just not realistic and it's not uh, going to work uh, moreover you know we also know that those all these iot devices we would not be able to have firewalls or you know encryption because of their small size uh, that we will not be able to have all those capabilities so what would you tell those decision makers as to how to approach iot security for the entity if i if i understood the the question um if, if you're asking quite, you know, about how to protect from threats related to big data and privacy and information aggregation and correlation, particularly at the consumer level, uh, yes, the, the network security that I've just talked about is not going to address that. The network security is going to protect the devices, make sure that their service levels are, are maintained. But when it comes to the data and the payloads, um, it's a very complicated question. And one of the things that comes up regularly is how do you manage the supply chain relationships that you have with your, with your service providers in the sense that, uh, you know, it's, it's become a very bad habit of people to just agree to whatever type of service level a provider throws at them, whether it's Facebook or Google or, you know, some other type of social application, which gives free access to all their, their personal information. In the future with the IoT, there's no shortage of small service providers who are going to try and provide um, the cheapest service possible for an IoT device. And they're going to do this in some cases by repurposing the personal information that they harvest for resell or repackaging in order to subsidize the service to the end user. Um, so the very thing to begin with from a consumer perspective is understanding that that is happening. Now, consumers are not going to be savvy enough to know to ask these questions. And this is where the role of um, international standards and eventually regulators will come into play, which is providing guidance around the types of disclosures to make around things like uh, data sharing, um, around the reselling of data, around correlation. And many of the privacy principles we have in place will, are certainly going to play in the IoT, uh, but at the same time, the way services are being composed in the IoT is that it can be very difficult to even understand who are the component providers. You know, how is the service composed? And, and some type of standard around making the transparency of service structures um, is going to be required, even if it results in a simple graphic explaining to people where their information is being held, who's managing it, and who owns these companies, because it's just not going to be apparent to them. Uh, that's that's one way to do it, and the international standards are really only beginning when it comes to the IoT. Uh, I've been working on IoT security standards, IoT standards in general, for the last four years, and I don't get the feeling that we're anything more than than you know two, but probably more like four years away from coming out with the first generation. Um, so there's there's much work to be done there, and it will facilitate adoption and success for 5G, uh, and hopefully we, these two things will come out and be ready around the same time. So thank you, Tyson, for participating in Risk Roundup today. We appreciate your thoughtful insight on Internet of Things and 4G, 5G wireless networks. Our global viewers and listeners would benefit tremendously from the understanding you provided on Internet of Things, its associated security risk and security vulnerabilities of 4G, 5G. Even if a single individual or entity is able to come up with ideas to innovate and manage the security risk of IoT based on the understanding they received from this discussion we had today, 
this risk round of dialogue has been of service. We thank you for that. Thank you for the opportunity, Jayshree, and good luck going forward with the risk group. Wonderful. Now, what is evident is that the Internet of Things is becoming an important part of individuals and entities across nations, its government, industries, organizations, and academia. Its need for integrated cyberspace, geospace, space security is one of the most critical risk-facing NGIOA that must be addressed collectively. As the 5G standards are defined and designed and the technology evolves further, it is vital that this is done with security as a prerequisite. Security must be an integral component of 5G design right from the outset. Doing this in the planning phase will make a massive difference to the IoT security landscape in not only today, but also in the coming tomorrow. By identifying, evaluating, and understanding, and managing the security risks that come with the evolving bandwidth and internet-oriented technologies of 5G, Individuals and entities across NGIOA and CGS will be able to take a cautious but confident step towards the forward on their 5G journey. Risk Group Cybersecurity Risk Research Center and Strategic Security Risk Research Center are created for this very reason to identify, evaluate, and manage the risk-facing NGIOA in CGS and to discuss, debate, and define necessary framework, structure, processes, tools, and technologies to manage the security risk of not only the digital global age, but also of the coming technological superconvergence. We at Risk Group believe that risk management, security, and peace walk together hand in hand. Though security is related to management of threats and peace to the management of conflict, risk management is related to management of security vulnerabilities as well as management of conflict. And it is not possible to conceive any one of the three without the existence of the other two. All three concepts fit into each other. We believe that the security we build for ourselves is precarious and uncertain until it is secure for everyone across nations. Tradition becomes our security, so if we build a culture of managing risk effectively, it will lead us to security and security will lead us to peace. Let's manage the existing and emerging risk together. For more information on the risk roundups, to watch the risk roundup videos, or any other risk roundup podcast, please go to riskgroupalacy.com and do not forget to subscribe and share. Until next time, I'm Jayashree Pandya, host of Shiskarnak, signing off. See you next time. Thank you.